And we are live, JD. There we go. It took a minute, but we got it. Let me go ahead and adjust myself over here. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the True Christian Podcast. It's myself as always. I don't know how to do these intros, JD. I be trying to sound like I know what I'm doing. Hi, I'm Mike. This is JD. <laughs> um, but, That's uh, yeah, welcome back. Yeah, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Want to just give you a heads up while you're watching live. Um, as you know, uh, as I mentioned, you know, we got a little held up with some stuff. JD's moving right now. As you can tell, things look different on his side. So we're also dealing with some new internet connections. So JD's a little choppy. Um, deal with, just hear his voice. That's all that matters. Uh, we, he might not be moving that much. There might be moments where he's... <laughs> but uh, as yeah. always, we are live at 9 p.m. Central. We got TikTok watching. Not a lot of people over at, on TikTok, so... Uh, that's no different than normal, but um, you guys can't comment. You can't see what's on screen, but uh, if you want to join it on YouTube, you can. Everybody on YouTube, what's up? Hey, we're doing something different tonight. Let's just be uh, – tonight is a, is a Q&A kind of night, but it's not live Q&A. We asked people to uh, send questions in, and I was looking through the emails. Some of y'all got some great questions. Like I told JD before we went live, I said, man, we got some good topics to talk about tonight. Like I'm really looking forward to going through these emails um, so we're doing a mailbag episode and if this is successful, if this goes, uh, smoothly and, and JD and, and I think we did well and y'all like it, then we could do a mailbag episode once a month. Cause sometimes there's things that are on your guys's head and you're like, man, I really want to know about this. Like, this is what I want to talk yeah. about and dive into. Um, so I'm excited. What's up? JD? I love you know, it. I've been talking this whole time. I let me it, have, let me give it floor to you. I love it, man. That's so, so awesome. And as, as you said, man, to everybody that's listening, what an awesome idea. Definitely down with it. So, yeah, as Mike also mentioned, we've just moved house. So everything in the background is still a bit, I've still got to stack, pack out my books and get everything sorted. Um, but thanks to everybody that's patient because a Wi-Fi connection, I've also still got to set up my extenders and whatnot. But I will get, I will get to it today tomorrow hopefully before monday's episode um but thanks for coming and thanks for your support um this is going to be good i know if mark says there's a, there's a couple of good questions then i'm pretty sure they're very good questions so again thanks for all your prayers for this ministry please like subscribe and continue to share because that's the best way to to support this ministry is to share this podcast and let's see where the lord will take us so Amen. blessed to be here, blessed to be here, as always. Yes, sir. Well, with that being said, with those uh, uh, watching after the fact as well over on Spotify or here on YouTube, uh, we appreciate you being here. And uh, I, I say we open this up with a prayer because these are questions that people are sincerely needing to, uh, to know, right? So these are, when we answer questions, to me, I get nervous with answering any question, even if I know the answer. Because this person, they come to you and that's their faith. Like you're actually answering a question that might determine a direction a person goes um, with th with thinking of something. So uh, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, JD, I'll let you I'll let you take it, brother. Awesome. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for bringing us all together yet again for another episode. Thank you, Lord, that you will guide us, that you will guide our tongues and that your Holy Spirit is welcome to speak through us. Thank you, Lord, that our words are seasoned with grace and salt and that everyone who has posted a question, that you will help us answer it to the best of our ability with your guidance. Thank you, Lord, for each of our brothers and sisters in Christ that are in the body, whatever they are battling, whatever they are going through, that your grace is sufficient for us 
that doesn't matter what thorn we have in the flesh, we can always look up to the cross mm -hmm. and we can always rely on your word being faithful and true. God bless this episode and thank you to everybody that has joined. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Mm. Let's amen. Get let's begin. So let's go ahead and start with one. I'm trying to find it. So I got the emails open over here. Um, where's it at? I saw one. Oh, you know what? This is actually a good one to start with. So um, I don't know if people want their names read or anything, so I'm not gonna do that. But the question is: can the ones that believe in more than just faith be saved? Like Catholics believe that you have to get baptized and do all this other stuff. Are they saved? I mean, they have faith. They just believe you have to do more than just have faith. If the answer is no, can they be saved? No, they can't. Can be saved? Can they be saved? I'm trying to understand the grammar here. I apologize because that was all they were taught. Okay, so I'm going to repeat the question just in case me reading it to you didn't come through. Basically, can people that don't believe faith alone be saved? Uh, I.e., he's talking about other denominations or Catholics, and if that's all they were taught. You like right, yeah, right. Is that is that their fault kind of thing? Can they be saved? So obviously, I'm gonna let you speak on this, but I do want to touch on a couple points of this. The first one is that final part, the what they've been taught. Our God is a just God. So if you're talking about like a 15 year old who came to the Lord and that's what he's been taught, that's not the same as a 35 year old who has the Bible. Like yeah. I want to be very clear, our God is a just God, right? So we got to stop trying to find our own loopholes in, in situations. Yeah. Now, as far as the first half goes. I believe that a lot of people won't like this answer because a lot of people stand firm on some stuff and they want to act like they know who's going to heaven and hell. The title you claim means absolutely nothing to me. And here's what I've realized. If you were to, I made a video about this earlier, ironically, if you were to take away my ability to speak, right? And then you took away, let's use Nico, Nico's ability to speak. So neither of us can describe how we believe we get saved. We would live the same lives. We would look, you wouldn't know we believe something different, right? Why? Because we're two men pursuing Christ. Now, do I know if him thinking that salvation works X, Y, and Z way affects it? That's between him and God. I'm not about to say that everybody who believes that they're working through obedience is doomed to hell. Now, if someone's not trusting the, the sacrifice on the cross, that's what. that's all I can yeah. tell you. I can tell you what the Bible says. If they don't trust Jesus, if they don't put their faith in Jesus, they can't, they're not saved. I don't know That's if that it. person truly has faith because there's going to be people in my Protestant church that don't truly have faith and people that do. Mm. There's going to be Catholics that don't truly have faith and, and Catholics that do. Now, I will admit the Catholic doctrine, I believe, uh, can be a stumbling block for someone who comes to the faith, uh, comes to Catholicism and that doctrine prevents them from putting their full faith in him. But if someone puts their full faith in Jesus, I know some Catholics that are great men and women of God. I mean, that means nothing either, but I know them by their fruits and I know some fruit bearing Catholics. So that's my a piece on that one. As far as we can't judge who's saved or not, we can preach the gospel and pray that their heart is set on the Lord. Amen. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, what you said, you said a lot and, and, and the core of this is, the core of this is, and I say this to anybody, and this is ultimately why I've got I've got friends across the board when it comes to denominations. I've got lots of people that I can have a conversation with. We can respectfully disagree on many secondary issues, but the reality is, if you have not placed your faith 
on Christ for your salvation. And this is it, placing your faith on Christ for your salvation. How do you inherit eternal life? Through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. If you are somehow equating those works or anything else you are doing to as part and parcel of your salvation, as part and parcel of justification, you're taking away from the blood of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, that is, that's not just something that, that I wouldn't advise. It's just, that's what the scripture tells us not to do. Mm -hmm. The scripture makes it abundantly clear that he is the only sacrifice for sins. He is the only propitiation for sins. So it, yeah. it doesn't really matter what you do what you feel led to do and you know, we know christians who, who who genuinely don't want to eat pork but they genuinely believe in christ but they decide that they don't want to eat pork as paul paul explains to the corinthian church don't create stumbling blocks for your brothers and sisters and this is where we could be better as christians is is hearing someone else out again it's a very good question because they've been taught this way so if someone's grown up in that faith they've been taught that way they've gone to church every Sunday, whatever the case may be. And this is the conclusion they've come to. Here's where, where again, as Mark said, God is just. And I also don't believe that God is, is so nitpicky when it comes to, you know, being, he doesn't think like we think again, God's, God's heart is not our heart. God's thoughts are higher than <laughs> our thoughts. His ways are high. So we, we can come up with some whack conclusions by ourselves, which, Again, we can, I sometimes come up with some conclusions and I'm like, well, that's, that's, and then I'm like, wait, let me go find it in the Bible. Then I can't find what my pattern of thought was at all. It doesn't correlate the scripture. So I think the biggest, I think to end off that question, the biggest, the biggest warning I will usher is don't be self-deceived. Don't think that you are right and you've got it down pat and everyone else is wrong. Oof. Like Oof. that. That's the biggest one. I would don't be self deceived. Why don't I ever have my soundboard when it was necessary? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously though, I like what you said there. I want to. I love to piggyback off you, JD. You uh, you just feed me sometimes. But what he mentioned there is beautiful because we do have this idea. Like <laughs> Paul says, "Blessed is the man." Matter of fact, I'm gonna read the whole verse to you. All. It's in my head. This is one of those memory verses for me that I memorized not on purpose, but because I've had to repeat it so much. He says, keep your faith between you and God. Blessed is the man who does not judge himself by what he approves, right? Like that verse hits me deep. I don't ever want to be the one that is expecting you to be more wrong than me, right? That's how we sometimes are because we have the audacity to think that we know it all. No, at the end of the day, when a Christian is arguing with another Christian on semantics or secondary things, and we this isn't secondary right here, obviously, but this is bringing up a bigger conversation. We have this uh, tendency to be like, no, you're so wrong that, that's, that it's bad because I'm wrong too, but like you're more wrong. Like you cross that line because that's the truth. How does God's sovereignty work? I don't know. Like how does predestination work? None of us know. How does creation work until I can form dirt and go and he stands up and says, thanks. Like, I don't really know how any of it works beyond what God reveals to us. So the only thing I think that all Christians will have an agreement in heaven is the gospel, because you got to know that. Yeah. I else going to be in there like, wait a minute, you here? Oh, what's up, bro? I, ain't even, I really ain't see that. Well, because it's the heart. Yeah. 
No, what the, yeah. like, that's what I mean when people get upset when I say these things about Catholics and Orthodox, because you know, there's Protestants that are like, don't you dare tell them that they can be saved. Same thing on the other side. Nobody that attends a church just suddenly believes everything everybody in that church believes. I know this because I'm a human and I exist in the church. People go to a church and I meet people, like I meet Catholics all the time that don't believe in necessary Catholic uh, Catholic doc, uh, dogma. Yeah, tongue twister there, right? <laughs> just assuming by what church someone walks into on Sunday, you know where their heart is, is mind-blowing to me. But there are people that will sit there and say, all fill in the blank are going to hell. Woo, man, y'all got some curt man. Blesses the man who does not judge himself by what he approves. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Great I mean, and, and that's spot on. It's spot on. Great question. Uh, whoever sent that question, thank you for that question. Uh, phenomenal. Thank you. All right. All right. I got I got another one. And this one I'm actually excited about because I actually did a live stream recently on, on something similar to this. Um, so good evening regarding first John uh, chapter two, verse 15. And, and is it a she or a he? A he. He included the verse, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. And, they, and the question is, how can we find a balance where we can live in the world, experience some of the things that the world offers without doing it in a way that goes against that passage? We all have things in the world that we love, restaurants, traveling, TV, cinema, gaming, different hobbies. It has happened when I saw Christians do things I personally wouldn't do because I would feel convicted, yet they say it's okay because of reason X, Y, or Z. Where is the line drawn when it comes to live in and take part in some things of the world? I'm so, oh, I'm so excited about this. So that's a good one. That's the a good reason one. I'm excited about this is because I was doing a first John study recently. And there's a beautiful thing that I've learned about this passage. One, it's an instruction of not loving, which is uh, is an interesting instruction in the Bible, right? Because we get told like, oh, well, Christians, you guys uh, are told to love and yet you think love is wrong when it comes to you know what, right? But actually the Bible has a command here of do not love. And if you just try and read this uh, without understanding the context, you can accidentally un read this the wrong way. Right. So we have to ask ourselves, OK, wait a minute. It says do not love the world or the things in the world. But John 3, 16, the most famous Bible passage ever, like every non-Christians know what John 3, 16 says. Let's all say it together. For God so loved the world. Right. So this has to ask. You have to ask the question. What yeah, do they yeah, mean? Yeah. What do they mean by world? Right. What do they mean by world? Well, wait a minute. If you actually read first John entirely. You'll see that when he uses the word world, he's using it in a different aspect. You see, in the Greek, the word cosmos, which is translated the world, has three different meanings that they use throughout the Bible. Either all of creation, all of a group of people, like a, like a nation, like a known nation world like that, or um, the world that is at odds with God, right? So worldly versus godly right so the there's a definition ver, there's a version of the word world sorry tongue twist in these words tonight that is basically meaning the rebellion of god right so if god is spiritual things these are the worldly things in this moment it's talking about those worldly things because as you continue reading he's going to say like the people of the world don't hear us because they're not of god they're of the world but god's people hear you it talks about the antichrist being of the world john is saying do not love the things that are in rebellion of God, 
that world, right? So what is that world? We we know some of it, the alphabet stuff, uh, uh, glorifying murder and drugs, the world. So you can love God's creation. You can love the beauty of the sky and love the forest because you and I love God and what he's made. He's telling yeah. you don't love the things Satan's perverted. So if you really want to know what that is, the perversion of sin. So that's the world he's talking about, the enemy of God, because the world is the enemy. So that's what is being said here. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't know. You to no, that, that's 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 spot on. And, and that's exactly where I was going. And I'll just add to this by saying um, idolatry, 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 idolatry. You know, the the if we love anything more than we love God. We fall into we are going to fall into a pattern of idolizing that thing or person or item or job or mm -hmm. people even do this with their kids, guys. I've seen people do this with their kids. They they treat their children like little gods. Like, oh, have you seen? And everything is about their children and constantly posting about their children. And they've they've made so again when it comes to what what we love. Again, that first command, the greatest command. We've we've gone over this so many times in this podcast. How many of us fall short of this daily? You know, loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. We we all fall short of this. So again, the emphasis is on not loving the things of this world more mm -hmm. than you love God, and not placing anything in your life above the cause or the mission, which is which is to follow Christ. And I love that you pointed out that it's about above God, because that's the thing. If you're of God, the reason why you love anything is because of him, right? So when I see the sunset, I love it because God, when I have a great meal and I'm like, wow, this is, Lord, thank you for this meal. I love it because of God, not I love it equal to or above God. But let's just read the following verse because it actually really helps define what that is, right? So it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and then he tells you, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. What is the desires of the flesh, right? Sexual temptations, uh, instant gratification, getting high and all these things. The desires of the eyes, that's your coveting, right? So now we have physical sin. Then we have that coveting sin. Like, I want that. I want that. I want that. I need more. And then the pride of life where you think you're greater than anything. Like we see in our society, everybody thinks they're the main character. They're the best, like, and, and I can't be wrong. And that, right. Those are the three things in the world. And we see those three things. Like if you want to name social media, it's literally full, full of the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes and the pride of life. Right. Like that's, that's what John's telling you this 2000 years before TikTok ever came around. He just described TikTok. Like, I mean, exactly. And he says, that's not from the father because it's not the father didn't give you these things. And then it said, the part here that's important though is, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The will of God is to believe in Jesus, uh, his son, right? But think about that first part. The world is passing away along with its desires. If you love the world and you're holding on to the things that are passing away, then you pass away with it. Yep. But the father is eternal. And if you hold on to the father, you're not going anywhere. So if you want to hold on to the world, and that's why I ask people all the time, like you came to Christ, but you treat it like your eternity doesn't begin until the end. Today is the day of salvation. Start holding him today because he will come like a thief in the night. And God forbid if you were sleeping instead of being up and moving. As he said, when the master is away, 
who's still working when he returns and who was lazy like, ah, he'll be back and I'll, I'll be ready for him. That Don't be that. That's that's not, you should be living for eternity today. Amen. The world is passing Amen. away. Amen. Spot on. Spot on. Great question. Good answer, brother. Spot on. Amen. 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 Let's see what the next question is. Sorry. Does that affect the Bible on screen when I go to the email? Nope. Cool. I just want to make sure I ain't trying to share people's emails. Um, <laughs> you got to keep people's privacy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I got one written <laughs> down. So from the story, uh, I want JD to answer this one. So let's now let's leave, let's go back a little bit to some more fun ones real quick. What do you think about the date setters for for September and 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 these rapture date setters that have everybody in fear and everybody wants to know what about this? What about the three days of darkness? What about the peace treaty? What about, oh my gosh, this is it coming to an end? What do you think about the date setters, JD? Uh, I think they should stop immediately. Like just stop, just stop, and it it it, it, it really. <laughs> JD, watch the mouth, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just stop, just stop, and 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 to all the ones, you know, to great question, um, and to everybody that falls for this and that gets sucked into this, no one knows, no one knows the hour, no one knows the day, no one knows when Jesus Christ will return, and if you're if you're if your if your eschatology lines up and you you're a pre-tribulation rapture believer, then we know that Jesus Christ will come like a thief in the night. As you know, it says in the twinkling in first Corinthians 15, it says in the twinkling of an eye In a twinkling of an eye, we shall not all, we shall not all die. We shall not all be asleep, but we shall all be changed again. When Jesus Christ comes, here's the thing. The mission is the gospel. And as much as as much as we are holding out for Jesus Christ to come, we're looking for our blessed hope. We're waiting for the return of Jesus. Our mission is the gospel. Preach the gospel. If you've woken up today and Jesus hasn't come back, guess what? Go preach the gospel. Uh, it, that's what it's about. Um, and and ultimately, this is where I can I can commend my brother Mike. He's 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 doing he's making videos every day. He's going live. He's putting it out there. He's answering questions. This is what we are called to do. Ultimately, let's put it this way: if 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 everybody, let's just say there was a, a, a all you can eat, all you can drink resort with all you can do, and everything is available to everyone, and you can bring as many people as you like, no charge. You can bring as many friends and family as you like to this all you can eat, all you can do, all you can enjoy a resort for as long as you want to stay. Would you just take yourself? And this is this is how a lot of people look at the gospel. Now I've been saved, so I'm good. And and this is where I shut my mouth. Like, no, like don't fall for the, the date setters. This is this is absolutely contrary to scripture. And they will try and they sound really clever, a lot of them. They sound really, okay. really clever. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this this is the sarcasm. This is the sarcasm. Okay, you know, they, they, I, my point was gonna be I don't even get why you guys are listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they put on this this whole thing. And because you can see uh, this and it's the festival of trumpets and, uh, and it's this and it's that and, and the moon lines up and and the five red heifers and Israel this and the peace treaty that. And guys, here's the thing. And I've said it before. 
I'm not sure if I said it on the podcast or if I said it on, on, on a live, but just picture being in 1942 where AD was uh, unaliving Jews for fun. Uh, those Christians were convinced, fully convinced that that was the end. They were like fully convinced, like Christians were being hung out in the streets, executed with their wives and children. Um, they were convinced that that was the end. Um, and here we are, 2023. Jesus will come back when, when his message has been preached to all the ends of the earth and everybody has heard the gospel. Then Jesus Christ will return. That's the bottom line. Oh, my goodness. That's it. So JB gave you the good answer here because mine's going to be more emotionally fleshly. I don't know. No, I'm just joking. I shouldn't, but I want to. Um, it's upsetting because one, like they don't even, first of all, I'm just, uh, let me speak to TikTok on this one. Cause it's a lot of the people that don't follow and, and I don't know you because somehow these people be in the comments of the people that get it wrong. Like, how do you even go back to someone who's gotten it wrong? Like, well, I had last May, but you know what I was wrong. Then you don't need to listen to him. God says in Deuteronomy 18, that if a prophet speaks of something and it does not come to pass, he has spoken presumptuously. He does not speak for me. Peace. Yeah. And God's not about to use someone who did that because he's not going to let his word come from someone who's lost trust. So if they did it, it's over. You shouldn't yeah. even entertain it. Now, I'm not saying they're condemned to hell. They can still pursue Jesus and be a Christian. But they cannot prophesy again. A lot of these are repeat prophesiers. And it's crazy. Yeah. And it's always like we confirmed it this morning. We were on a Zoom call. Me and my sister's in Christ. And we were doing it. Like, shut up. No, you weren't. Stop yeah. it. You're just emotional. Mm. And here's the other thing. Like They'll say, yes, but you got to recognize the season. What does Paul say about seasons in 2 Timothy? In season, out of season, remain constant. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel in season, out of season. Nowhere does Paul tell us, or the or, or the apostle Peter, or Jesus Christ, or none of them. None of them. They say we are we are watchful, waiting, and steadfast on our mission. That's what we are. We are not running around deceiving people, telling them, yo, resign from your jobs. Jesus coming. You're about to be uh, 16th of stand it. It makes me so furious because it's like, first of all, Paul thought he was going to be up in the clouds. No Christian. Imagine this for one second. Imagine Christians actually planned for their grandchildren and built this nation the way it was supposed to be. You want to know why this nation probably fell into the way that it is? Because every generation of Christians thinks they're the last generation, like Jesus coming back in my time. So no need to plan for my grandchildren. And we just slowly start becoming the weaker uh, uh, group of people in a country and disappear. And that's why our country is the way it is today, probably. Like there's a great quote I heard once. Actually, I think it was Dr. James White that said it. He said, uh, uh, um, what if we're in the early church, right? Ask yourself that. What if we're still in the early church? We all assume we're at the very end. We, and it's been like that since 300. And there's been things that have been seasons. Uh, did you know that there was actually an actual thing called the mark? Uh, I forget what exactly it was called, but it was a mark that you had to ha have it in Rome to purchase. And like literally almost exactly how the Bible said it would be. That was in 300. And like JD said, in 1940, and I bet, promise you another 100 times between those two dates, we are to be careful and to keep our eyes open and be vigilant. But that don't mean you get obsessed with it. 
That don't mean you go, well, I'll just imagine, imagine you're right. Ready for this? Imagine you're right and you wasted your last three days not sharing the gospel. Even if you're right, what are you doing? Imagine, like, if you are right and he's coming back in September, you shouldn't be sitting here talking about that. You should be out there preaching the gospel in the streets. Like, it's this weird obsession. Listen, I, I, my advice is this. Live every day like Jesus might come back tonight, but plan my future like he's not coming back for a thousand years. Simple as that. Yeah. Simple as that. All right. Let's Enough see. Let's said. see. Let's see. This one's a, ooh, this one's kind of a tough one, but it's an easy answer. So this one, the commenter, this one kind of hit me hard too. Cause I was like, I can't believe someone said that. Uh, someone used first Peter chapter two, verse 20 to say a woman must stay in an abusive relationship. Is this true? Absolutely not. I don't even need the verse open yet. Like I don't even need the verse open yet. No, it's not true. I'm going to go to it because I'm pretty sure I know what, uh, you know, cause I know what first Peter talks about. I don't know the exact verse it's on, but I know that this is a row where he's telling husbands and wives. And he also talks about being beaten for a good thing when he's talking about servants. So uh, let's see what exactly this person is pointing to. So first Peter two 20. Uh, yes, this is for the person that is getting beaten. This is a servant. This isn't for wives. Notice the wives and husbands starts at, at chapter three, right? This yeah. is, if anybody tries to use this, to tell a woman to stay in a relationship with a man who's beating her, they are lying and that must be the man. That must be the abusive man giving that advice. An abusive man might give that advice. You run from the abusive man because last I checked, uh, Jesus said, no people by their fruits, not their doctrine. I could care less what a man is saying if he's beating his wife. You run from that. You go. You get away from that immediately. No man of God should ever tell a woman not to run away from that. And actually any man of God in your church should be put paying him a visit immediately. Yeah. Have a sit yeah. down with that man, man to man. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's just, that. I, I can't believe, I can't believe. And this is, it's a good question because there's actually people that will do this. And again, we're not called to, we're not called to a, a false religion and uh, taking from the text what we want and manipulating the words of God to make it suit our own narrative. We are told to love our wives and to love our woman with the sacrificial love of Christ. That means we are the protectors. We are the defenders. We nurture, we love, we protect. We don't go and beat our wives. We don't hit, you know, that's, that's just something, you know, it's not okay for a woman to hit a man and it's not okay for a man to hit a woman. It's not okay for anyone to hit anyone ever. That's, that's the bottom line. That's where we draw the line as the Christian. Is it okay to hit? No, but can I hit? No. It's never okay unless you're disciplining your child the the godly way. It's never okay to lift your hands to anyone ever. Period. Amen. Man, female, it make no matter. You don't hit your husband. Husband don't hit your wife. Don't lift your hands. Don't even go there. Like flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, no matter how angry you get, it she should never be an object that you could possibly do that to. Like that's yeah. what I mean. Like it should be just like with yourself. No matter how angry at myself I get, I'm not gonna hit myself. All right. Yeah. There you go, man. That's your that's your deal. 
you break that, then you're going to have to answer to God on that one. I promise you. There's some things in this world that I know all sin is equal, but there's some things in this world that I believe standing in front of God for is going to be a little bit worse. We know Jesus told us this. He said, anybody lead these children away. Mm, let me tell you right now. What is the two things in the Bible that I see clearly that God puts his protection on? Widows and orphans. So women and children, right? A woman that doesn't have a man to protect them. God says, we got to make hey, take care of the widows. And the child who, who doesn't have a, man, a father and a mother to protect them says, we got to take care of the orphans. We see scripture constantly saying widows and orphans, men of God, stand up and take care of them. Right? So God has a place in his heart. Anybody that hurts women and children is going, I mean, all of you that stand before God on the judgment seat, I guess there's really no, it's not like <laughs> you still, but I mean, man, man. Man, man, that's a, <laughs> like words can't even come out on that one. I can't even put the words together. That's wild. Good luck to you, sir. Good luck to you. Yeah. You're weak and you're a coward. Uh, yeah. I hope that I hope that these fall on deaf ears, though, because I hope no one listening to me needs to hear these words. But if they do, stop it. Um, yeah. Here's a good one. Uh, it's, uh, first, they said thank you for all that we do and and, and just sends their love. But they said that they would love to know uh, um, how we answer the question of what does it mean to fear the Lord? Mm. That's 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 a beautiful question. I love this question. I mean, having an awe, a reverence for God, the fear of the Lord is is ultimately something that we see. You can see the difference between those who have a reverent fear of fear of God and those who don't. Um, and what is a fear of the Lord? It's, it's, it's the same principle as having a father, like having a loving father. And, and unfortunately, not everybody's got a loving father out there. But if you've got a loving father, you know what your father is capable of if you slip out. If your father's given you instruction, he said, this is the way you ought to live um, in order to please me um, and in order for life to go well with you. Everyone who's got a fear of the Lord, everyone who's got a reverence for God, walks according. And this is what we said the other night. Obedience is a result of our salvation. We are not obedient unto salvation. Obedience is a result of our salvation because now we know God. That's what we see in 1 John as well. Now we know God. God knows us. We're adopted sons and daughters of God. So by having that reverence for God, I know who he is. I know what he's capable of. Not only did he come down, take on flesh, die on the cross for my sins, but he is capable of squashing his enemies like that. So it's understanding that God is who he says he is. And those who reject the truth will stand before a thrice holy God on judgment day and not a single excuse will leave their lips. Not a single but, not a single but you. Not They're not going to stand there with a little fist and question God. This is not going to happen. People have got the wrong wrong idea and a misconception of what happens when, when we sit before the judgment seat. No one is going to question God. They are going to every... They are going to be fully aware of everything they have done in their lives. And the, the reverence and the fear of the Lord will take them in the opposite way of what it takes the believer see the believer's fear of the lord is one of reverence where we can run up and his arms will cover us his grace and mercy falls all over us where the unbeliever will be met with the dread the dread of god the full mm -hmm. wrath of god the full measure of his anger that's mm -hmm. that's the that's understanding the fear of the lord 
is something I, I definitely encourage Christians to do a deep study on because your convictions, your convictions will come to light if you study having a reverence for God. So I'm actually going to go a little bit deeper than JD went there because I want to really expound on this. So JD answered that question incredibly for the believer, but I want to talk about there's two to me. And I don't know if JD agrees with this. Me, there's two levels of the fear of the Lord, right? Because when it comes to the, the initial fear of the Lord, it should be a terrible, terrible fear. And what I mean by that is when you realize you're not under his grace and what you are deserving, what he owes you, right? So the beginning of my wisdom began with, oh my goodness, I'm on the outside. Lord, forgive me. You come to him broken because let's be honest, if you don't have a true fear of the Lord, then you don't actually understand the depravity of your sins. You don't want to understand how much grace you actually need. You don't understand why you actually need him. So when you come to him, are you truly coming to him? Because Lord, I need you. I have sinned against you. I deserve every ounce of hell that you owe me, right? So the beginning is that. But as First John tells us, perfect love casts out fear. So that kind of fear should not be present anymore. Like JD said, you and I shouldn't have that. Why? Because fear has to do yeah. with punishment. John tells us fear that's, has to do with punishment. Yeah. You and I are not slated for punishment, right? We're, we're not slated for that anymore. So that fear is gone. But I do want to be clear that the beginning, if you can look back and you never had that fear, ask yourself, have you ever really reflected on your sin? Just, I just want to make sure because at the end of the day, when you're outside of God, that should be the scariest thing ever. People act like the world should be scared of Satan. Nah, Satan is not a threat to the world. Satan is a, I said this the other day on live stream, Satan is a cellmate. He is not an enemy for them. He's our enemy because we on team God. But if you're not with God, Satan is your cellmate, not your enemy. Your enemy is the living God. And when we talk about the reverence fear, let me show you a scripture that answers it. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 24. For the Lord your God is a, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a consuming fire, a jealous God. Let's talk about fire. Do we not all fear fire? I'm not saying you're scared with a phobia. Do we not all fear fire with a healthy fear? Like you might see a candle and you're not scared, but if that if that fire was loose and your house was on fire bigger than you can stop, you are in fear of it. You respect fire. You know the power of fire. Well, the Lord your God is a consuming fire. You see, we have a fear out of reverence because we know the fire he is and he'll burn me. But we know that he withholds his fire from us. That doesn't mean we forget the fire. We don't forget his power and his ability. And then therefore, we also love it that the grace he shows us is, I could, but I'm not going to. But for those that are not in him, he's a consuming fire. So that the way you respect fire should be the way that you respect God, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm lowering down, right? Because fire's not God. Please don't. I try to remind y'all with analogies. <laughs> don't take it too far. But my point is, we all know that you put your hand in some fire, it's going to burn. And that's the way you should yeah. look at God. Like, I love God and he's not going to burn me. But if I reach and do something I'm not supposed to, yeah, he can do it. I better respect him. So that's that's my answer to that question. Um, I see questions in the comment section. Once we finish these, because these were properly uh, uh, sent in, if we have time, we'll dive over to those as well. I promise you that because um, I've seen some good questions there. So, J.D., I, gotta, I, I think I saw a good one. Um, that you might be good on. <laughs> I opened this one up, so I might as well hit this. But after this, I'll do the good one. 
All right, so we've done an entire podcast on this, JD. So let's, I guess, keep it quick. But in case they're tuning in, because they asked it, please, what are your thoughts on speaking in tongues? <laughs> so by the way, stop. if you do want an in-detail video, for if you're watching this and you submitted that question, go to uh, the past live streams here on YouTube. And if you scroll back, I think it was about a month ago. You just got to scroll back. But the title of the podcast was Many Will Say to Me, Lord, Lord, right? Because we were yeah. doing uh, Matthew 7, 21, and we were talking about tongues and casting out demons because that's what Jesus references. That's a whole two-hour episode on the whole hyper, you know, uh, spiritualism thing that you see on, on TikTok and YouTube and whatnot. So if you really want some depth before JD gives you his two cents, I figured I'd let you know that. Yeah, and again, I'm not I'm not a full full blown cessationist or uh, you know, but but I say this that I have yet to encounter or witness someone using a biblical tongue the way it is described in the scriptures. Um, what we see happening on it's supernatural with Sid Roth, where it's always supernatural. Uh, that's not the biblical tongue. That's not the biblical tongue. That's not what we see in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Why Paul is rebuking the Corinthian church for using their gifts as, as weapons over the younger Christians. Um, and guess what? It's still happening today. They are literally, and you know what? It's always the oneness Pentecostals uh, that, that do this. Like if you're not baptized, what is, what is the word they use? You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. All these prophets these modalists, they they all roll with this with this vibe. Um, ultimately, it's not biblical. It's not biblical. The tongue you see today being exercised on TikTok in the world, that's not the biblical tongue at all. I will die on that wall. Hey, where <laughs> does uh, where where can I find tongues? At? I was I was over here trying to pull up the HPB. I want to see how they talk about tongues. <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> I was about to pull up the HPV and start reading about it. But no, I, I agree with what JD said. Um, if you actually even look into the history of it, here's my question. You guys know I stand against anyone that tries to hold church history over scripture. So I'm not doing that. However, when I take scripture and church history together, this version of tongues appears 200 years ago for the first time ever. Ever. That should be a red flag, first of all. Are you telling me God's spirit been silent for 1,800 years? If that's the spirit of God speaking through you, you telling me that he's been silent? They'll be like, well, yeah. And then it says that in the later days, they'll prophesy like, oh, so that's what that is then. So then you're not what Paul was talking about. So it's a, it's a, it's a pulling, a, it's pulling a, a card out of the house of cards, right? At the end of the day, this is what I say, though, because I also know that, the God, that our God moves. He's a God of action and that he is working in people. And it's not my place to judge where I don't know. I'm only supposed to judge righteously with the facts that I have. So if someone tells me that in private, I have a prayer language, that's between them and God. I don't care because if they're lying, that's between them and God. And if it's for real dare I dare not speak against the Holy Spirit. However, if someone tries to teach someone to pray in tongues, that's blasphemy. You can't teach someone to use the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is literally known as a teacher or a helper. If someone says you must speak in tongues to be saved, blasphemy that's changing the gospel galatians chapter 1 verse 6 so i don't have a problem if someone legit just says 
hey, I have a prayer language. I think it's not real, but I'm not about to, I can't speak against what the Holy Spirit might be doing in your life. And if you're lying, what am I going to do to you? You lying to God. Like, I couldn't imagine the audacity to lie about my prayer language to God, right? So yep. that's between you and him. Just don't step out of bounds with that. Don't come out here trying to say, if you don't do this, you're not safe. Don't be doing it in public, being like, come on, join me. Keep that nonsense away from here because that's not biblical at all. Even Paul says yeah. that if you don't speak any intelligible words, it profits no one. Even the Bible says that uh, that tongues, that like that, that kind of tongues that no one understands just edifies you. It's not for the church. Amen. Amen. No, tongues does exactly not blaspheme that. the Holy Spirit. Just, just, uh, uh, is insulting tongues blaspheming? No, not at all. Oh, it's insulting uh, tongues. Well, no, it's not, but you still could be still, but disrespecting our Lord, right? And, and we know that the Lord disciplines his children. The Lord chastises his children. We know that each one will earn a wage for his due on how he's out here living. I mean, the Lord tells us that we will give an account for our thoughts, for our words. That doesn't mean that we are held judgment for our sins. No, it doesn't say everyone will give an account for their sins. But we as Christians who represent his name are said, we're going to give an account of our words, right? So I'm not trying to stand before the Lord and have to explain to him that, well, my bad, Lord, I, I just, you know, felt the need to let my pride take over right there. I'd rather say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I let him, if he want to be in there lying to you, I figured you handle that, Lord. That, that's between you, God. Just what does Romans 14 say? Who are you to judge the ma another master's servant or a master's servant? That's, that's his yeah, servant. Yeah. My job is to step up if they're teaching incorrectly or telling others that they need to do it, right? So my job is to stop someone from lying to people. My job is not to stop you from lying to God. Ananias did that and he died on the spot. That's between you and God if you want to lie to God. I warn you, that's not the best move. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, be careful on that one. But all right, exactly. now I was looking, I was looking for a good question. Um, that had try that in a small asking, town. You know what, I mean? what? I said, try that in a small town. <laughs> if if y'all ever get a chance, look up the history of that version of tongues. It's actually a hilarious story if you actually look into it and find out like how it yeah. uh, how it evolved. Originally, they thought the whole church thought they were speaking Chinese because back then they didn't have Google Translate or a way to be like, no, it's not. So these people went on a mission trip because their pastor convinced them they were speaking Chinese. Chinese yeah. isn't even a language, guys. Cambodian? My, what, like, what are you? What are you speaking exactly? Uh, but let, let me stop. Let me stop. Mandarin, yeah. Mandarin, yeah, right. The question I'm looking for, I saw it earlier. It was a question about the armor of God. <clears throat> That's why I said I think this is a good one. I just got to find it. Oh, 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 it's over here. All right. Hello, Mike. I'm fairly new to your podcast. I have watched you on the Tickety Talk. <laughs> I have enjoyed your content. One, could you please explain how to put on the armor of God? I hear people say to put on the armor of God daily. How do we do that exactly? I read the scriptures, and I just want to make sure I am doing it correctly. I will be watching your show tonight. I'm hoping you get this. When did she send this? Because that was Monday. Oh, I hope she's watching tonight. Or he. Yes, she's watching tonight. I hope you're watching tonight. Um, I'm hoping you get this in time to go over it on the podcast on YouTube tonight. I am starting my journey with getting a better relationship with our Lord. Thank you for what you do. God bless. Um, so I hope that she is watching this tonight or comes back and watches this. But um, I'm going to really quickly pull that up. You can start talking while I pull up the passage. 
Yeah, I mean, this is... <clears throat> can you just read that first part again? She said, uh, uh, can you explain how to put on the armor of God? I hear people saying yeah. to put it on every day. Okay, cool. So so my understanding, again, everybody's going to have... There's, there's lots. There's there's many different commentaries when it comes to this, this particular scripture. And here's my understanding as I've grown grown with Christ is that the armor of God is something the believer has got on. You have got it on um, and your armor just gets stronger. Um, the more you dig into the word, the more your faith grows, the, the stronger your armor gets. So it's not something you physically in the morning have to get up and go, okay, now I'm putting on the armor of God. By putting on the armor of God, we see all of the, we see what the armor of God is. So depending on your walk with Christ, and how solid your walk with Christ is depends on the strength of your armor. And what will you be? Because you're wearing the breastplate of righteousness. Are you exhibiting that you are wearing mm -hmm. that armor? Do you have the breastplate of righteousness on? Are you exhibiting that? Um, do you have the helmet of salvation? When people say you can lose your salvation, then I'm like, you don't even have the helmet on, bro. You see, the helmet of salvation, it doesn't say the helmet of possible salvation. It's, you know, in the helmet of the maybe you have salvation. It's the helmet of salvation. And again, the the shoes, that the sword. Are you are you walking in that armor of God? This is what Paul is commending, you know, to the church at Ephesus in in this passage. The whole armor of God. We see that this armor of God is actually God's armor in Isaiah forty four. I think it is where he actually goes to war with his enemies wearing this exact armor. So when he says the armor of God, he literally is resembling God's armor that God Himself wears. So this is this is our armor. This is how we grow in the faith. Are you wearing your full armor every single day, or are you not? Are you waking up and kind of kind of sorta have your helmet of salvation on? Kind of sorta wearing the breastplate of of you know righteousness. Kind of sorta walking around with the spirit, you know, with your sword, um, you know, telling people commanding people, exhorting people, loving people with the word of God. This is, again, a very good question and a good study. It definitely something we should we should do more on, I think. But I digress. I, Take I it away. I'm just, I'm doing some stuff over here that the Spotify people aren't going to get to enjoy. All right. So yeah. I want to, let's just read it together, right? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Before we even get to the armor, where is it telling you to find your strength? It's telling you to find your strength in the Lord, in his might. So when it tells you to put on the whole armor of God, God is your armor. He's telling you to put on God. God is your armor. It is the armor of God because it is our strength is in him. We put him on once. Paul doesn't, this whole put it on every day, that's just human in, because we get dressed every day. So we draw a line of a parallel to it. So every day put on your armor, God. I get the, I get that, right? I'm, I get that. I'm not, I'm not knocking what they're saying there. However, the truth be it is that he's telling you, put on the strength of the Lord. Put your trust in him. Put on the whole armor of God because this is a battle. Right. This is what Paul is telling people as he's writing this letter. Paul is out here actually serving the kingdom, facing death, and he knows they're facing death. And they know that this is a battle to get the gospel out. And they are against Satan. If you go to Thessalonians, when he starts writing his epistles, 
uh, if we go there real quick, let me just show you something. I got it. I got it. See, this is how you know it's raw. Just <laughs> it's not it's not planned yet. This is that uh, inner cross and uh, cross referencing in my own head. Why am I not spelling Thessalonians right? What's going on here? Oh, because I didn't put a one in the beginning. Y'all corny for that. Y'all real corny for that. I didn't put a one in the beginning and it decided to do that to me. All right. Um, when he's writing his letter, let me find it real quick. People on Spotify, I'm sorry that you don't see what's going on nor understand it. Demands his apostle Christ, Lord of the Torah, for your witness, how holy. So I'm trying to find where Paul talks about he was trying to come visit them, but Satan was hindering them. And I wish I could find it because I literally opened it up for you guys to see it. I have it highlighted in my actual physical Bible. When JD comes back and starts talking, I'll pull it up. I'm, I'm ashamed that I didn't have that ready. <laughs> but so Paul tells you in Thessalonians, like Satan has been hindering them and affecting how they travel. Uh, and, and it's 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 caused them to have to do these letters. Paul's out here battling. And, and so are the Christians. You see, we today sit here and talk uh, talk about the armor of God. But then the Christians putting on this armor are talking about like their job struggles and and uh, uh, the sports that they're doing. Like it, it's just like the saying, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul writes this from prison facing death, not before he wins an award. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? It's it's being misused often. To put on the armor of God is to put your strength in him, trust in him. Because even if you look at the things that it offers, right? The belt of truth, Jesus is the truth. That's period. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Jesus is righteousness. You're not. The shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We out here sharing the gospel taking up the gospel in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Our faith is what keeps us centered in this and protects us from the evil one. The shield of faith can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. The helmet of salvation, like JD said, you're not taking that off. That's not, I don't put on my helmet every day. I put it on once I sleep in my helmet. I sleep yeah. in my armor. I, I, yeah, yeah. The, devil, the devil's a prowling lion. Lions strike at night. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is saying Christians be in God and God in you. John tells us the same thing. Abide in him and he abides in you. That's what it tells you when it's saying to put on the armor of God. You should be in God, not trying to walk beside God and do my own thing. And when I need you say, God, come here, please, God. No, you should be in God every day. And then now I'm going to let you talk for two seconds because I have to show that Thessalonian scripture because it's going to bother me. And that's that's just again it. You you can't wake up every single day and put on the armor. You know, and he's saying, as as fellow believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have put it on. It is on. Um, and it's a reminder. It's a reminder to us. Like, are your feet swift to spread the gospel of peace? Is that is that what you're running to every single day? Again, we we everything we see in scripture confirms our mission. Yes, we have all these, we have all the we know that Jesus Christ is gonna return. And as we've already ascertained, they believe that Jesus would return in their lifetime. Now we are 2023. 20, this is where we at. 2000 years after Christ. We also are hopeful, hopeful and waiting that Jesus Christ will return in our lifetime. But if he doesn't, 
as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, have you run your course? As we see in Acts chapter uh, Acts 20 verse 24, like none of these things should move you. None of these things should move you. You should stay the course. Like testify to the gospel of God's grace. That's what it's about. That's what we are commissioned to do. Amen. But uh, I, I, I just noticed uh, Melissa was ready to help me out. But yeah, so if you see here in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, it says, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. See, I don't know if you realize this, but this entire ministry that Paul is on, Satan is, is close at his heels. Now, I think it's hilarious that God let Satan think he did something right here. But what Satan did is just put a fire in Paul's belly to write epistles. And now we have half the New Testament. <laughs> good good job, Satan. How oh, you try that? You're yeah. a good little boy. Huh? You try that. How mad do you think he is? Like, you know what? I should have just let him go to Thessalonica. If I just let him go to Thessalonica, we don't got JD <laughs> and Mike teaching people out of Ephesians right now. It's bull. It's bull. He's not happy about it right now. You're you, you terrible. You're terrible. Um, but all right. So, yes, put on the armor of God. Amen. Amen. Let's see. What other questions we got? We got some. Uh, you know, people ask about it. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Or here's another question. Someone wants to know how to get closer to God. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Don't do that. No. No. Answer Read. the question, JD. How do you get closer to God? Ultimately, the, the, this is... I've, I've, I've heard so many people give their, their opinion or matter on this. And I will speak from my personal experience. My personal experience in getting closer to God and growing in my relationship with God is by picking up the Bible, taking a passage of scripture and actively studying that passage. So if you're going to take open up the gospel of Matthew and you go to Matthew chapter 10, for example, don't just read Matthew 10. Um, actively study Matthew 10 and see what Jesus Christ meant when he spoke in hyperbole, what he meant when he spoke in parables. This is ultimately how we grow closer to God, because if we understand God's nature, we understand God's word, we understand God's character, we understand that God is just, we understand that God is sovereign, but we do also understand that there's many things we don't understand. This is why we serve God. We serve God because he is God because he has spoken life into being, because he has sent his only son to be the propitiation for sins of the world, to take on the full wrath of God, even though he never told a lie, even though he never killed, even though he never deceived. And coming to terms with the fact, like Mike already said earlier on, like, and this is to every, we've got 89 people in the chat right now, come to terms with your sin. Come, as, as Paul says to us in 2 Corinthians 7, that my sin is ever before me. God can forgive and forget. You can't. You can't. Your ability to forget your sin is, 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 is not possible. And what Paul says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 is that your sin is a reminder of God's grace. So a lot of people go, how do I forget my sin? You know, I've got this past thing that just keeps coming back and reminding me. That's not a bad thing. 
It's not a bad thing. Listen, don't fall into the trap of condemning yourself again, but remembering where you came from and the grace of God that saved you from where you came from is good to keep you on the path you are at. This is what people so often forget is, is you, you don't have the, he separated our sins as far as the East is from the West. He has blotted out our sins. He will not count our sins against us. It says, blessed is the man whose sins will not be counted against him, as, as the psalmist writes. Our sins have been blotted out. So God has for, forgiven and forgotten our sins. But you, as long as you are in the flesh, be mindful of the past life you have. This has helped me a lot in growing closer to God is always reflecting back on what I once was, who I once was and who I now am and what I press towards being. Every single day I press towards being a better father, a better husband, a better man in general. And what helps me do that is looking back at the person I once was and not looking at it like uh, it's old news now. <sighs> Who's you know, I, I'm mindful of the mistakes I've made so that I can not repeat those mistakes again and again and again. So um, I digress, but again, each and every single person has got their, has got their own story, their own testimony of how they have gotten closer with God. And I'm sure Mike's will be different too. And everybody in the chat will have a different one too, but the, the foundation needs to be God's word. God's word has to be your foundation. I like that you said that you, it's good not to forget the past, though, because uh, people do want to forget the past. It's like, well, if we go back to our, our talk about the fire, if God is that fire, what happens if you forget what the fire feels like? You don't respect it, right? You don't want to forget what that fire feels like, right? I, I don't want to have a condemnation on the fact that I burnt my hand once, but I want to remember that so I know better, so I don't do such a thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, and like you said, to know also how to walk ahead. James talks about it when you look into the mirror and see who you naturally are and then walk away and quickly forget, right? So uh, I think that's important, especially to keep us humble. That's very important to keep us humble. But um, no, you're right. I, I do have a different answer. And mine is, see, JD says good cop, bad cop, right? JD is the loving one. He's got that accent. He can, he can convince you of things and you just want to cuddle him up and hug him, right? Um, I'm going to tell you, if you want to get closer to God, the secret is this actually want to get closer to God. Because if you wanted to get closer to God, you would. Because here's the thing, unless you're the anomaly and you literally have some serious uh, anxiety issues and you, you're not social and you're not, uh, and you deal with anti-social uh, anti you know, issues and learning disabilities, like unless you have all these issues that should make you struggle with reading the Bible more or loving people and serving people and wanting to grow a relationship with God. Most of you know how to grow a relationship. If you met someone in real life that was like, yo, they dope is, yo, they cool, man. I want to get to know them. How would you build that relationship? Would you try to get to know them? Would you tell them about yourself? Would you have conversations? Would you learn about them? Would you spend time with them? Okay. So you want to build a relationship with God? Do the same thing. You know how to build a relationship. The question is, a lot of people ask this because we're trying to find that shortcut. I'm Again, I'm bad cop. I'm meant to make you feel that way. I know. It's okay. But that's the truth of it. Like, at the end of the day, like, sorry. I love question, I'd rather you hear that right now. Go to sleep mad at Mike and wake up saying, you know what? That big-nosed, dumb Italian, he got a point. He got a point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, you know, like at the end of the day, like JD said, everybody's situation is going to be different. You want to know why? Because once you decide to do what I told you to do, it's going to be different. That journey will be different. But you got to make that decision first. You got to say, yeah. okay, I'm actually going to take this serious. I'm, at, I'm not going to do like the I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get, I'll get with it. I'm, Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming, Lord. Just do it. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, though. Here's the other thing, and the, the one that you must always keep at the back of your mind is, is you're meant to feel far away from God in the flesh. <laughs> this is why we chase after him. Like, you get this. And this is how we see this. And I'm going to use the, the marriage analogy once again. We see this happen in a lot of marriages. We've been married for 10 years, and then it falls into, like, this pit of complacency. The husband is no longer chasing after the wife because he's got her. She's here next to him. He's no longer trying to woo her, no longer trying to chase her down because he's got her. And this this happens to a lot of people in their Christian walk as well, where they've been a Christian for so long, they just get complacent. They they regurgitate the same answers. They're like, I'm comfortable. You know, they get that belly fat. They get dad bod going. They <laughs> Mark and I are both guilty of this, man. <laughs> His face. I'm joking. So, so again, you are going to feel far away from God in the flesh. You are. Um, and this is, this is designed to keep us pursuing God while you're, while you're in the flesh, you're in enmity with God. The flesh is an enmity with God. We see the scripture say, says clearly no flesh will stand in the sight of God and be justified. So the life that we now live in the flesh is not the one that we will live with God. Again, there's a difference. There's a difference. People think eternal life is like a continuance. No, it's not. It's a new life. New creatures in Christ already in the spiritual. But in the flesh, you're still mindful of the things you've done. You, you can remember your sin. You can you can still sin again. You will still sin again. There's, there's, there's all these problems of the flesh. And we see this very clearly demonstrated in Romans chapter seven. Well, when so, you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, people that are at that further point in their walk where they're hitting a rut. And, and I do have a, a different point of view on that one and a different piece of advice for that. I didn't even think about that. I was thinking of someone that's trying to get to know God. Right. But it, I, I actually talked about this on my live stream earlier. And, um, and I think it's a really good way that, that people can uh, learn to grow in their faith when they hit that rut later in their walk. If you're at this point, where you have been walking for a while and you hit that rut, take on a disciple because nothing makes you grow more than leading someone because then you become accountable to someone. Think about parenthood, except for those crappy parents, right? But what is being coming up? It forces you to say, okay, I can't, I got to take this serious. I said earlier on my live stream that people don't have a problem letting themselves down, but we do struggle letting others down. Like, it's easy to let myself down. I do it all the time. And if you're yeah, about to lie to right. me and say you don't, we all let, what? If no one's counting on me and I don't got to be up and, I got, and I'm telling myself I'm going to wake up early and do that, you know how easy it is to say, you know what? Whatever. And hit that snooze button. But if I know JD's going to be at the gym waiting for me, I don't want to let him down. We agreed to go together. That's why we do Man. gym partners. That's why we do study partners. That's what, like, this isn't just religious. It's how we were made. God made us to be communal, to do things with people, right? And when you take someone under you, when you take someone under you, it really forces you to take things seriously 
and it can grow and watching them grow in their faith is the most you want to see you want to see the presence of God it's beautiful watching people grow in love with God because it reminds you just like again imagine you've been married 60 years and you're looking for that spark and you have someone that's like a mentee to you falling in love and you're reminded of love right you're reminded of what it's like to have that spark right I, i'm just using different human analogies here but take someone under you right if you're at that place in your walk Teach someone, find someone. I promise you, most churches have people that need mentors because people yeah. are always yeah. needing mentors. And most churches have mentorship programs, right? If you're an older person, like I said, further in your walk and whatnot. So, because uh, for you, obviously, you've been walking and then we do hit ruts. We hit those plateaus where we're like, what do I do? Um, and I also, another recommendation is serving. Go out and serve people. Just, yeah. just, just reading this, when you're at Amen. that point of your walk, just reading this is just reading this. Like, it's beautiful. I love the word of God, but go live it now. Go, go out there and live the word of God and, and, and invite him to be present with you. Because our God is a God of action. So for 30 years, if you're the Christian who sits in his house and just reads his Bible, your God wants to leave. He wants to go outside. Like, I imagine me and my wife's marriage. If I try to just say, babe, we're going to sit in the house all day, every day, my wife is active. She's going to be like, I'll leave you. I'll go out there and do it by myself. If you don't want to go, like she's going. And if I want to be with her, I got to go. Your God is like that too, guys. Your God don't want to stay cooped up in the house all day long. He'll sit there and study with you, but he want to go out. Let's go. Let's go serve people. Let's go love people. Let's go see people. Let's go worship. Let's go do things. That's what your Lord yeah. inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you wants to go do. So go do it. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, just, just, just in closing, like, you, we've got so many brothers and sisters and this is what breaks my heart the most is is people can look at your resume guys people can look at your resume and you look at your own resume you you can people can say okay you you're a, you're a single mother divorced uh you're a guy who's lost his job more jobs than he can handle this and that people can look at your resume they can see your you know if you've let them in on, on certain parts of your life. But the reality is, is by looking at someone's resume, they don't know your destination. They don't know your destination. They don't know who you are in Christ. So whatever you've gone through in your life, whatever, whatever you've gone through, and I mean, whatever you've gone through in your life, wherever the road has led you, where you are today, be content with where you are today, because this is the will of God. If he's brought you through it, if he's brought you through it to this point, he's not about to go, okay, this is where I'm going to let you go on your own. And, and, and we see this. So many people get to a certain point point, they're like, okay, well, now I've got to fight this on my own. Now that I've gotten, now that God has got me here, now it's up to me. Now that I've gone through all of this and I've gone through the wilderness and I've gone through the waves and I've crossed the floor, now to me, it's never going to be up to you. He who started a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. Stop looking at your resume and going, well, this is who I am. No, that's who you were. That's, that's your past. It doesn't have any hold on you anymore. There is no more hold. There is no more shackle. You are free. He who is in Christ, what? Who the sun sets free is free indeed. So we do not hold on to the things people will. And that's fine. Let them do that. But I know who I am in Christ and who I am in Christ has got no bearing on the mistakes I make tomorrow. And it's got no bearing on the mistakes I've already made yesterday. This is how we go. I had, I had to twice. I had to twice. Just <laughs> You just bucking shots out there with fire, bro. I don't got, I have nothing to say. 
Like just straight up facts. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. All right. So I got the next questions up and I'm going to dump this on you while I go uh, run, run and do something real quick, because I uh, I honestly don't want to answer this question myself just because it's been a while since I read uh, the story of Jonah. So (laughs) is it, is it, uh, what? Oh my goodness. You see that JD? Hey, Zar, that's the, that is beyond uh, expected or anything. So I will take the moment or I said Zar, Tyron, Tyron. Um, I might be saying your name wrong, God but bless that's, you, that's, bro. A, God that's bless a blessing, you. man. Um, we appreciate that. Anything that comes in in these channels is 100% for the ministry, right? The only places that's that we awesome. make money off of is like, um, our merchandise and stuff like that. So that that's, that's ministry money. So appreciate you. God bless you. Um, God bless you. ready for the question for you? And then I'm gonna walk Let's away. Was Jonah actually sent to hell when he was in the belly of the fish? Or was he really just trying to explain what the atmosphere was like in the belly of the fish? I lean towards him just explaining how it felt, but I'm not 100% on that. This is from one of our favorites. She is a constant viewer. Uh, this is from uh, Tinza uh, Camp. I know I'm not naming people, but this is someone. Oh, yeah, Tinza. What's up? What's uh, up? What's so, up? All right. I'll be right back. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that one. Yeah, and again, this is this is an interesting one, and and you can look at it both ways. Honestly, you can look at it both ways, and there there are again multiple explanations for the belly of the fish. Um, you know, some some claim that Jonah was physically dead for three days. Others say no, he wasn't physically dead for three days. Again, it, it's 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 we we know from the text what we need to know, and if it is in fact a a explanation of what hell is it would be quite an accurate one of that because what do we know from being eternally separated from the love of god from who god is from being in his grace being in his mercy that is that is a good explanation of what hell could possibly be um again if we look at the story of jonah we see so many things in parallel prophecy three days in the belly of the fish and then he was risen to life we see the same parallel with Christ's resurrection. Three days he spent, three days, three nights. This is what we see. What does Peter say? They will get the sign that that's the sign that they will receive the sign of Jonah. This is, this is what we see. And again, whether he was physically in Sheol, hell, Hades, wherever for, for that time um, to explain it more vividly to those, I would take that warning. You know, again, this is, this is something where, we we look at the scriptures we see the warnings so many 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 warnings about being separated from god not believing the gospel rejecting the truth and the consequences of rejecting the truth um i would again ultimately if it's in the text i would look at it take it literally and and believe that as and depending Again, doesn't really matter what your view is on whether he was physically dead, whether he was asleep, whether he was physically in hell, whether he was physically ex- explaining the inside of the fish. Um, all of these, all of these explanations are really good, and again, something I would take from each of them. And just to digress a second, you know, and I say this to to people that go to, because again, I've got friends in every single denomination. Um, 
And you can take something from anyone's teaching. If anyone's teaching, don't just walk into a church looking to pick out faults and see how you can reject what they're saying. And this is where they're wrong. And see, ultimately, we've got a lot of people like that on TikTok. They'll come to Mike's live, for example, because he, he attracts like 400 uh, people to his lives and they will try and uh, what does that mean? No, that's false. No, that's heresy. No, this. Um, because they've taken a segment. He's been speaking for three hours and they've taken something they heard for 30 seconds and they'll be like, false teacher alert. That's not how it works. You ultimately have to look at the the broader scope, <laughs> the broader scope of things. And I will, I will actually do that. Uh, one night I will, I will share my testimony on, on a podcast with Mark. I'll be off camera because I know he's going to make people cry and I don't cry or anything, but like, you know. Um, no, he's going to cry. He's gonna be crying. <laughs> with uh, so again, with, I don't know with what that, you said you know. to this answer, but I I I agree. Now, <laughs> I was not in the room. Yeah, but. I mean it's it's a good it's a good story, but I say I, I just basically in a nutshell, the story of Jonah has got many parallels to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many. Um, the, the repentance, Nineveh was a nation that was against God. They then repented towards God. God repented towards them. This is what we see um, in the text. And they were saved. They were spared. Um, ultimately, we see the pride in Jonah having a sulk because he actually wanted them to die. We see so many people do that today. Are they actually out there to see people change their minds and turn and believe the truth? Or are they just trying to be right and have that gotcha moment like, I know more than you know? Um, so ultimately it's, it's, uh, so many parallels in the story of Jonah, such a small little book with two plates and plates and plates and plates of meat in, in, in the, in the story of Jonah. And we see that's the sign that we, that we received, that they received, um, and they still rejected Christ who is the cornerstone. Um, Amen. with that being said, I've got to, I've got to dip out. I've got to dip out. Uh, I've got to quickly go sort out. Uh, sorry about this, guys. I wanted to apologize because Mark's always making apologies for me. So I want to apologize to everybody. My times are a little bit back to front at the moment because we've moved house. Our traveling time has changed by about an hour and we're further away from the schools, work and everything else. And I need to go drop my kids off and get them ready. So I'm going to dip out and Mark and I are going to chat. So please bear, bear with me. The podcast time might change a little bit, but I know for the remainder of this podcast, you're in, in the faithful hands of my beloved brother, Mike, and uh, God bless you all. Thank you for uh, all your questions. I love you all. Thank you for all your support. Continue to share, like, um, and invite people to come and watch the podcast, guys. Uh, this is what we are yet to do. We're yet to edify the body of Christ. Moreover, we are yet to bring people to the knowledge of the truth and share the gospel with those who are lost. So I love you all very much, and I will see you later. Mike, as always, love you, brother. God bless I'll you, brother. You. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. And as he kind of hinted towards it, um, we are going to be discussing uh, uh, possibly maybe moving the podcast time a little bit um, just to see what's best because uh, JD, like he said, he's got a new tra travel time and he wakes up already so early. So we're trying to figure it out. We're still early in the game. So, uh, you know, if it changes from Monday and Wednesdays at 9 to another time, then it changes to that. Um, we'll make sure to incorporate you guys though, because we actually care about the people that tune in every week. Um, the people that watch it not live, well, that doesn't change for them. Um, so definitely most we'll definitely do that. 
Um, and for the remainder of this episode, I'll hit the questions that are in the comment section and 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 knock those out. So we love you, JD. We appreciate you, bro. Love you, brother. I'll see you guys soon. All right. With that being said, um, oh man, see, I wish I would have saved them. What do you want me to scroll, scroll through to find the uh the questions that I've seen, or can y'all just go ahead and repeat questions? Because if people aren't here uh that asked earlier, then there's no point in me going back. So um, any questions uh, regarding anything we talked about tonight you want clarification on, or if you want to open up the mailbag to y'all, um, then we could do that. And then honestly, uh, I mean, even if the, if y'all don't have questions, I have no problem ending an episode early. Uh, it makes life easier for those listening on Spotify and YouTube. To everybody on TikTok, what's going on? As always, when this ends, we will be sliding over. Well, we, me, I'll be sliding over there. It's weird when JD leaves me. I don't like to be alone on screen. It feels weird. Knowing we get to ask questions without all TikTok trolls is awesome. I'm excited. Well, then ask away. Let's roll it. Y'all are getting the privilege to do that without trolls. That's exactly true. Like, we don't get that in a, in a lot of places. I love, that's why I love leaving the comments off on TikTok because trolls ain't going to sit there and watch without being able to comment. That probably infuriates them. They probably just be wanting to punch their screen. Like, I hate you, Christians. Y'all know how angry uh, they get. How do you repent? That's a great question. So let's. Let's go ahead and, and hit that real quick. So uh, I think this is fascinating. And, and as always, JD em emphasizes this a lot when he answers questions. We are answering to the best of our knowledge from what we know of our journey walking with the Lord and what the scriptures reveal. We are never the authority. Uh, we are never supposed to be taken to the point where you hear me say it and it's, and it's the word of God. No, you hear me say it. You can run to the word of God with it. Um, I think Romans 12. Uh, it's so weird how sometimes when I do a live stream, the same things get talked about. It's almost like. I don't know. The only the spirit wants these things to be talked about. Today we read Romans 12 and it starts by saying um, uh, your what is your spiritual worship? But I love verse two. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right. And we know that repentance is to have a change of mind, to have a change of inner man. So to repent is to change the way you look at who God is, who the authority in your life is. It's a change, right? And if you think about it with how it's even uh, presented, a lot of people say repent of your sins, but if you look in the scriptures, it never says repent of your sins. It says repent for the forgiveness of your sins, uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's a call of action um, to not ask for forgiveness, but to have a change of mind. And what that change of mind is, and we kind of talked about it earlier when we were, when we were discussing some of the other questions, like the armor of God. It's saying, I trust you, God. It's finding my strength in God, my faith in God, my trust in God. It's saying that I no longer look to myself as the authority, right? Uh, and when I look to myself as the authority, which is what everybody does before God, before you're in God, before you know the gospel, you walk around this world as the authority. What you say is right is right. Whatever you decide to do, you do. You trust yourself 100% and you are the authority. However, when you come to God, you recognize I can't do this on my own. I can't earn salvation. I'm a dirty rag. I know I'm a sinner and I need you, right? That repentance is that change of mind about who you are and who God is. Like if you really want to know what the actual change of mind should be on, you should be changing your mind on who God is and who you are. You're either going from unbelief to belief or from false God to the true God. So a change of mind on who he is. And then in order for you to be saved, you need to realize who you are. You All right, so that, that would be how you repent. That is proper repentance. And this is why people don't realize repentance isn't a work. Repentance is coming to faith. 
And if you really read the scriptures, it makes it clear that repentance is granted by God. Uh, in 2 Timothy, it says God may grant you repentance, right? Um, and which he does. He grants us repentance because we come to him in faith. Uh, the next question was, um, let me see. I see Ashley reminded us that someone asked about guardian angels being real. This idea comes from where Jesus says that when he's talking about the children, he says, oh, let me close the Bible out quick. Um, he talks about how each one has an angel in heaven, right? That's all we have on that. Uh, what do we know about that? I don't know if that means that a child has a guardian angel. I believe that the most we can take from that is that children and the household, when not being protected by the, the husband who is supposed to wear the armor of God and protect his family, God protects children, right, in, the, in those spiritual uh, manners. Um, but we also know that he allows persecutions and suffering. So to, what is that protection? I can't answer that question. What I can say is that if you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, we do know that you have God in you, which is greater than a guardian angel. And you have an army of angels behind him because you have God in you. So uh, if you're an indwelt believer of the, with the Holy Spirit, then you don't need a guardian angel. You're, you're walking around with God. Uh, so that would be my uh, answer on that one. Discuss what people mean when they talk about rightly dividing the word. Ah, so I can't tell you what people mean. Now, I can tell you about some people I've come across and how they use this word. Um, so we find this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, saying, uh, you know, study to show thyself approved, rightly, uh, rightly handling the word of truth or rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, but the truth is a lot of people misunderstand this. You see, a lot of people look at this as cutting the scriptures between Jew and Gentile. Some people uh, look at this as dividing the scriptures upon other things, dispensations and things like that. Paul was writing this before the New Testament was in existence. And if you go one chapter later, he reminds Timothy to stay in line and stay uh, stay true to the scriptures that he was raised on, right? The, the holy scriptures of God. Now, granted, we do know the New Testament becomes part of those scriptures. So I'm not saying that, when he says all scriptures breathed by God, he's not including the New Testament. He just doesn't know the New Testament exists yet. So it can't be rightly divide the New Testament. No, what he's telling you is the proper way to study and understand the scriptures. As we see, he says the word of truth. Well, what is the word of truth? The word of truth is the gospel of our salvation. So when we actually understand what the gospel is, we go back and read that Old Testament completely different. We actually can see all of God's redemption working through the scriptures. We understand that the Holy Spirit is removing a veil from our eyes and allowing us to study the scriptures. And we need to study the scriptures properly. As it says in Isaiah, line upon line, precept upon precept. Another important reason for this is because back when Timothy is getting this letter, guess what? They don't have cross-references in a commentary bar, right? Like we're spoiled today. You could, you could be reading scripture and you don't have to know that that Paul is quoting Hebrew, I mean, uh, uh, quoting uh, David or quoting Psalms because you have a cross-reference bar. They didn't have cross-reference bars. In fact, they didn't have a compiled Bible. The scriptures were rolls and, uh, and, 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 you know, separated by books. So they had to know what these scriptures said. You have to study, show yourself approved, being able to rightly handle this word. And because it's, it's not something that they were able to do what we do with. Like I said, you can go through right now, never read in the Old Testament, and you can get some information out of Hebrews. Can I be very honest with you? If you guys never had a commentary or never had a cross-reference bar, you would not be able to read the letter to the Hebrews without knowing the Old Testament. You would not. You would struggle. You would you would come out of that thinking some crazy stuff. You would not be able to read Revelation without reading the Old Testament, 
right? But you have cross-references now. Sadly, though, there are some people that still don't even use the cross-references, and it shows when they read Hebrews and Revelation because they you can see when someone's never actually read the Old Testament, doesn't understand the sacrificial laws, doesn't understand the order of Melchizedek, doesn't understand what the prophecies were in the Old Testament, and they're trying to interpret this text that is literally pulling from the Old Testament and expounding on a previously given prophecy. Like you can't know what the expounding means if you don't know what it's expounding on. Right. So that's how we, we rightly handle the word of truth. Um, we understand the gospel and what the gospel message is through all the scriptures. And there's gonna be people that might even be watching this right now that are gonna clip me out and say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. We rightly divide, you know, the mysteries that Paul, uh, you know, delivers in um uh, uh and the body of Christ and and all these different things that they try to stretch to uh, out of proportion uh, it's 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 inaccurate it's it's wild to be honest with you all right next one do you or your wife wear a cow in the winter a neck warmer I don't my wife may I, I don't know but I'm also a, a man like y'all know as husbands if my wife don't tell me to put a hat on and keep my ears warm I'm walking out the house like an idiot um. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. What's the next question? What do you do? Oops. What do you do? I put it on screen. What do you do of last sin or sins that I'm trying to think there's a miss you, you mistyped in here. Oh, you said it on the next post past. What do you do past sins, sin and sins that burden you from time to time though? We know we are forgiven. I'll be honest, this one's probably going to be a struggle for a lot of people. One of the ways that I know that really helps a lot of people at my church is a program called Regeneration. And this program may exist around you in churches or something similar. But I love this program because it's like a it's like an AA for Christians. And the main thing you need to know from it, because you don't need the program, you just need to know what the goal is is that you have an actual reflection and inventory on your past. Dig deep into those wounds and, and look at the things that you've not asked for forgiveness for. Look at the things that maybe you need to forgive people for, your resentments, right? Past sins, why are they hurting you? Because how you know God forgave you. So if you know God forgave you, then you need to get past your forgiveness of yourself or maybe you need forgiveness from somebody. Maybe you need to confess your sins to somebody and go to them saying, I did you wrong. And, and I don't expect you to be my friend or trust me, but I just need to say that I'm sorry for that, right? You might be dealing with resentments. Now, there are some that are that feel impossible to find closure for because maybe that person's gone dead or moved away or or it's something that can't be, you know, closed like that. I, I mean, we have to just trust the fact that if God forgives us, we're not better than God. Who are we to hold a grudge where God forgives, right? So if God forgives then I have no right to say, that would be like saying my judgment's better than God. God forgives me, but I'm going to say that I'm still guilty, right? We got to fight, uh, take captive every thought, as the Lord says. Should I, as a newbie, be reading the Bible from the Old Testament or start with the New Testament, since that's how we're supposed to live in modern times, though I don't want to forget the road uh, which we traveled. So here's the thing I would actually recommend. And, and this is going to be the first time I say this, cause I'm actually thinking about this as you ask it. I often tell people start at the gospel of John, but then again, the real question is, is what do you know? Right? I tell people start at the gospel of John, because if you don't know Jesus, this is how you get to know him, right? Gospel of John's a great place to get to know him. But if you're talking about in your, you came to Christ, you're in Christ and now your walk, I would recommend study both. And what I mean by that is maybe instead of doing an entire book 
of the New Testament, do a chapter here and a chapter there, right? And, and, and alternate or do one book, New Testament, one book, Old Testament, because you're right. The New Testament has what we need today. And the Old Testament has where we come from. They're both amazing. And there's ways to study it, I mean, and to bring it in. Because in the beginning, I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of us want to go from overnight, from not knowing the Bible to overnight knowing it. I went through that. It's a long journey. So we just, in the beginning phases, you just want to read it. You just want to get to know it, right? When you study math, do you jump into algebra or do you have to learn the basics first? The basics, addition, subtraction, right? Get to know the story of the Bible before doing a deep dive because with the deep dive, if you don't know the story of it, it's hard for you to have, like I said, remembering those things. The Holy Spirit can bring to remembrance many things, but you got to feed your mind the, the necessary tools for the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance, right? I tell people sometimes the Bible is like the um, Rosetta Stone for the Holy Spirit's language. The more you read scripture, the louder the Holy Spirit is able to speak to you because he, he'll speak to you through scripture. And if you just read it and get to know it, you might go through Genesis and you didn't do a deep study, but you remember what Joseph did. You remember who Joseph's dad is. You remember, you know, what happened when Isaac does this. So you you have a small memory. Then you're reading the New Testament and you're like, hey, they're talking about Joseph. I just read about that yesterday. Now you might jump back and be like, oh, I just read this yesterday. So I don't need to reread the whole thing. Now I can dive a little deeper. Right. So just get to know the word and and. and don't feel like there's a way you have to go about doing it. I'm a new Christian. How do I talk to people about God? For example, my family, they are believers, but they do and say things God does not like. So talking to your family is going to be different than talking to people outside of your family because there's one that you see every day and then there's people that you only see once, right? So with your family, you have a lot of time with them and you're Let's just be honest. It's not going to do anything if every day you're like, I'm here to talk to you about Jesus. You can't Jehovah's Witness them every day or Mormon them every day, right? But what we do is we love them. We shine a light of Christ in the life. You let your life be a transformation. Let your life be a testimony and a witness to them. We're called to be witnesses to the Lord. And in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians or it's Colossians. It says that we are ambassadors of Christ. Um, and it says God is making his appeal through you, right? So. It's not about you preaching the gospel to your family. It's about you giving God control to shine through you and get their attention, right? So when it comes to your family, don't worry about preaching the gospel per se. Yes, you you will be the one to give them the gospel if they need it, and, and the Lord will use you for it. But because you're going to see them every day, it's more about let, giving them that invitation to where they want to know the gospel. Like, your family can be the ones that see that change, right? Because they know who you were. Now, sometimes this also works to your to the negative where they don't believe you. They're like, yeah, this is whatever, right? But your job is to shine a light so that one, they lower their walls against Christianity because you could be the true vision of what Christianity is to them. Maybe they have a perverted view of what Christianity is and they see you living your life and say, maybe I was wrong. And maybe they're not going to listen to you because they're pride, so they don't want to hear it from you. But when someone like myself or Justin or JD come along, their wall is down because you lowered it with your love. Your love conquered their strong defense of, I don't want to even hear it, right? So loving your family and planting seeds. We plant and we water. With, with our family, plant. When you're out there meeting people and it's on the go, you water, right? You just go and pass them, you drip a little water. Maybe if they don't have a seed, you drop a seed. But with your family, we plant seeds we love. Preach the gospel and sometimes use words.
Um, let's see. What age did you start trying to teach your children about Jesus? Are you talking about what age of my children? I don't care about the age. It's more about when you can uh, kind of get that they understand it, right? Like, so first and foremost, um, before my kids can be taught about Jesus, Jesus is present in my house. So it's not even about teaching my children. It's about at what age do I start including them would be the proper response, right? So for example, with my oldest son, he is much more involved in what we talk about and, and church and programs at church and things like that. And for my youngest son, he is now very involved because he loves it. But when he was a little bit younger, I'm still doing this, whether he understands it or not. And don't flip a switch for your kids because your kids watch you when that switch is flipped. Your kids see you at all times. There are so many testimonies of non-believers saying that the reason that they're not Christian is because my dad would talk about this Bible, but then beat me. My dad would talk about this Bible, but cheat on my mom, but beat my mom, but do this, but talk this way about people, but treat people this way. And they look at their dad like, yo, you might say one thing, but I will never read the Bible if that made you this way. So if you want to know about your kids, it's not about what age to teach them. It's about from the moment they're born until the moment they die or you die, hopefully first, because that's our goal to be a light of Christ in their life, to be the reason why they say, I want to have what my father has. I want to have what my mother has. I want that relationship with God. I see it pouring out from him, the love that my father has. Let me tell you right now, my dad taught me more about the love of God than I learned from the Bible for a long time. In fact, my dad's love showed me what, what the father's love is. JD mentioned earlier that when you have a good father, it's really a benefit. And I'm sorry if you didn't have a good father. I'm sorry if you have an absent father. I'm really sorry for that. And I'm glad that you found your heavenly father. But if you look at some of the main reasons why you see people turn to atheism, like look at the most popular atheists in history. All of them have an absent father or a lost father or a dead father or a bum father or an abusive father. It's always a father issue. Why? Because how you look at your father will affect how you look at someone called the heavenly father when he gets introduced to you. You don't trust your father. Why would you trust the heavenly father? Your father beats you when you turned your back. Why would I trust this maleficent God or this uh, 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 benevolent God that's going to beat me and send me to hell if I don't believe, right? That's how they look at him because they're used to an abusive father. My father, on the other hand, and I'm not, I'm just saying that I was blessed by this. Um, you know, when I was born, he was already disabled, hurt his back at, at his job, and he would feed the homeless every weekend. It wasn't for a ministry, he just did it. He just went and fed the homeless, and he always opened his door up to people. We had homeless people living with me. I was like four years old. What are you doing? This ain't safe for me. But he trusted people, and, and, and one of them became like a brother to me. I still talk to him occasionally, right? So I saw the love of God. Like, my father never held grudges. I had friends of mine that did terrible things in my house and got me in trouble and made my dad upset, but yet he would trust the next one. He he, he forgave. He loved. It was, it was a love of my father that showed me who God is, not the words that my father spoke. But when he did speak, I trusted those words because they matched his behavior. Um, I hope that helped answer that question. Ooh, what time is it? 138. All right. I can only do a couple more questions because I, I know that we're going to run out of time. So let me see if I can find some bangers that look like some good ones. Do, 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 do. You will never get punished for your sins, Joy. That's the thing. We don't get punished for our sins because as Paul said, if you have whoever has died to the law has died to sin for you cannot be under sin. We get we get recompense for our actions. We will get a just due from our for our actions. How that discipline works, whether it's in this life 
or whatever. We don't know, right? But I know that in this life, he does discipline us for our disobedience. Um, and, 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 but I, we're not under the law, so it's not being punished for our sins because Jesus took the punishment for our sins. For everybody listening on Spotify that can't read, you know, comments, she asked, uh, you know, when do we get punished for our sins? Um, as far as, you know, it says you'll give an account for whatever and all that stuff, I'm assuming is what she meant. Uh, ooh, I'm so behind on comments. I'm scrolling down. So Natalie said, okay, I so I basically came about the gospel by asking questions, and I am definitely confused on some things. Well, uh, Natalie, we're glad that you're here, and I can tell you this much that uh, we're currently doing a Bible in a Year program where JD and myself are reading the entire Bible, um, and we are going to be uploading starting hopefully Friday, uh, uh, which is this Friday, if not next Friday, where we do episode after episode going through chapters and chapters in the Bible. It's going to be a lot of hours. It's going to be a lot, but if you need someone to read the Bible with, we're opening that up for everybody to join us on top of that, these podcasts, and you can always email us. Email is at true Christian, I mean, contact at true Christian ministry.com. If, uh, one of my mods or friends from discord, whatever, if you can just type that in the comments, it's just contact at truechristianministry.com. On top of that, I'll throw this out there too because we're at this point in the discussion uh, where things are wrapping up that I want to let you guys know. If you haven't already, we have a Discord server and we are at like over 1,200 members. We have a mentorship program where people can come in and get put under a mentor who's been walking with the Lord, who's been vetted, who we trust to be a mentor to guide you into learning how you can teach and share things and, and disciple you. We have Bible studies. We have men only and women only Bible studies for those you know specific where women need time with their fellow women and men need time with men. I don't care what this new generation says. No, there's sometimes where men need to be men together and women need to be women together. And we have private rooms and private Bible studies for that. We also have the co-ed Bible study. Uh, the Discord server is 100% free. You don't have to pay a penny to be a part of it, and you get access to all these things. Always someone to talk to, always someone to be uh, have accountable with. Um, it's a great place to grow, and the reason it was created was because everywhere online, whenever people try to have Christian fellowship, you get fighting, trolling, arguing, and judgment. This is a place where if you have a different denomination, if you have different beliefs outside of what matters, we don't care. If you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and died for the sins of this world, if you believe that you must put your trust in, in Jesus, if you believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, then you can come join this Discord server. This isn't about uh, denominations, and, and you can be a part of it. If you have any questions, again, people in the comment section will definitely help you. Um, a lot of the people that basically run the Discord server are usually watching these because it's not me. I, I, I'm just like, I'm the face of it. See, cheese? But I, that's not me. Don't even thank me for the Discord server. Thank Kat. Thank Chris. Thank Manika. Thank Joy. Thank Ashley. Thank all of them. If I didn't say their name, I apologize. They're incredible. They're doing incredible things. Um, let me see. 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 What's the difference between heaven and joining the Lord? Matthew 25, who is separated from who? Like, who is he talking to? So these kind of questions, Natalie, sound like great questions that we don't have enough time to get into because we're at the end of this podcast. But the Discord server, we also have a voice channel where people come together in there and everybody can get on the microphone and talk to each other. And I'm also planning to do a Q&A here soon where uh, a couple months ago I did it where I go into the Discord. So whoever's a part of the Discord can join it. And instead of asking questions in a comment, we can have a verbal conversation back and forth. Right. So I plan on doing that again soon. And we have great man. There's people that know the Bible just as well as me, if not better over there as well. Right. Um, so uh, 
these kind of questions, I love them. And I don't want to give you a cheap answer to, to gain your following. I could care less about that. Those answers deserve respectful and time spent answers. And I implore you to definitely uh, join us over there and, 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 and partake in our, our fellowship. Um, oh, I hate when the chat automatically scrolls down for me. Uh, for saved by faith alone, how does judgment work? Jesus says in John chapter five, that if you believe in him, you do not come into judgment, but pass from death to life. So there is no actual judgment when it comes to judgment under the law or judgment of uh, condemnation. Uh, the throne that we stand before when it comes to judgment is a claiming of rewards and recompense uh, on behalf of what the Lord has watched you do in this uh, with your salvation. Uh, it's the, the parable of the talents, right? You got them. Uh, the one buries his and says, I'm not going to touch it. The Lord comes and says, where's your stuff? He says, look, I buried it. I didn't do nothing to it. And he looks at him like you didn't gain. You didn't go out and use it to get more. Yeah, what, what in the world? Right. And then there's and he so he gets to keep it. But, you know. But the guy that goes out and he double, he flips it, he does what's necessary. He's like, yes, good job. Um, I'm paraphrasing the crap out of that, by the way. So please forgive me if that wasn't 100% right to the T. Um, All right, I think we're at 143. Let me see if there's any other questions that are quick enough that I can hit. I have a question. I asked my friend, does she want to do Bible study with me? And she said, nah, no, really. But she's cool with me spending her quote from the Bible every Sunday, should I keep trying? You should keep loving her, but you also don't want to, uh, uh, you don't got to beg someone to, to follow Jesus, right? You're not, you, you don't got to beg them, love them, be truthful with them and, and be a light. But no, you don't got to, like the Lord said, if, if people don't receive you, you wipe the dust from your feet. Uh, Paul says, you know, when you face someone that's in, in, you know, in opposition of you after the second admonition, you know, walk away. Right. So over and over, the Bible tells you not to waste your time on things. So love her. Not don't give up on her, but you don't have to continuously keep trying to push anything. Uh, I love you guys, too. The accent comes out sometimes. We must be talking about me because I do have an accent. The jersey in him. Yep, y'all talking about me. When saved and then temptation comes and you fall back and been feeling convicted and been trying to fight to keep reading and praying, uh, but temptation is all and around the house. Should I separate? Oh, I wish their second comment was there. Separate. I don't know what you mean, but I, I can at least talk about the beginning part of that. Um, <clears throat> I drink some water real quick. I've been talking nonstop. I can't speak to your situations in life, right? I, I, what I've shared many times is we have to dig deep and ask ourselves where do these temptations come from? Because sometimes we can, we might be ignoring the actual thing that triggers a temptation. I'm going to use a generalized one. Let's say your te your temptation is corn because I'm on TikTok. They got algorithms. You know what I'm talking about corn hub. Um, and let's say or, or or things similar that matter, right? And you're like, man, I try not to think about that. But you're not realizing that every time you do fill in the blank, a thought begins that will evolve over the next couple hours. And that fill in the blank could be watching music videos or 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 watching a TV show where there's attractive women. Right. Or maybe a way that you cope at certain moments where you have certain levels of stress is that because you've done it for so long. Again, this might not be your problem. I'm just trying to uh, use an analogy here that. We have to identify our triggers for temptation because the Bible tells us to flee temptation, right? And in 2 Timothy, Paul says to flee your youthful passions, not resist them. 
The only time it tells you resist is it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yes, but the devil can flee. He's a living thing. Your temptations can't flee. You have to flee your temptations. If my temptations are bottles of alcohol, they're not going to run from me, right? Again, I don't know your temptations, but my point is find out what is triggering your temptations and flee from that. Because what triggers your passions is your problem, right? Let's say you got a problem with uh, uh, you. You've turned, you know, uh, uh, to drugs too many times, and you realize that there's certain areas that you travel that make you think about that one time you did it, which then reminds you of the feeling you had when you did it, which then reminds you that you want to do it. So don't even go there. I moved to Texas. The Lord literally took me out of New Jersey. Why? Because if I stayed in New Jersey when I came to the Lord, I would have been having to battle against the addiction even harder because I knew where to get it. I moved to Texas. I don't know anybody and I don't know where to get it. So when conquering my addiction, even if I wanted the relapse, it was almost impossible because I would have had to go look for it on an extreme level that would be impossible. Right. So sometimes removing yourself from a straight up situation, like in a large scale, is necessary. Oh, there's the email. Let me put that on the screen. I hope that my friends in the comments are helping people join the Discord. Um, do you think anyone who accepted Jesus are able to baptize anyone or are there specific qualifications? So I do not see anything about specific qualifications to conduct baptisms. Uh, I will say, though, uh, like obviously, I personally believe in having someone that you know that believes uh, baptize you. Now, at the end of the day, the faith of the person baptizing you is not going to affect your salvation because if it did, we don't know people's hearts. Like that'd be crazy. That that'd be that's like beyond works based. That's like luck based. At that point, like hopefully you pick the right person to baptize you because you don't know his heart, right? So, um, I would say that no, there's no guidelines on who has to baptize you. I would say someone who believes in what we believe. Where do you go live? Uh, uh, the the live reading of the Bible. Hopefully, we start publishing Friday. If you are signed up as a mem subscribed on my beacons, uh, it's never been something I was planning on doing. But as I've noticed, people do hit that subscribe button in my beacons. It allows me to send out mass emails. So if you are subscribed on my beacons, um, when we push anything brand new like that, I will send out a mass email. So when we officially launch, I will send that out. But then again, you can also just hit that notification bell here on YouTube and, and get notifications whenever something gets uploaded. Uh, Natalie, as soon as this is over, it is uploaded on YouTube. And if you go to my past live streams, we have like 50 episodes right now. So they're each an hour and a half to two hours long. Um, and, and every single past live stream stays up there. If you can't watch it, um, starting about a month and a half ago, we went to Spotify. So not everything's on Spotify, but up to a month and a half in old episodes is also on Spotify. Uh, the link is in the, in the description. Like I said, Discord is free. We don't do Patreon. Anything that we have that the Lord has revealed us, we do for free. This isn't a, if you're new here, this is not a ministry that asks for money. We accept donations. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, but uh, we do not ask for anything and we don't sell anything. We trust that the Lord will be generous and be faithful. And he has always done so by putting his children who are generous and faithful here to help us. And every time that we need something, uh, we've been able to meet those needs and help people when it comes to keeping their rent paid and getting groceries and things like that. So from the bottom of my heart, for those people that do give without being asked, we appreciate you deeply. Uh, and we are, oh man, we're getting close out of time. I'm trying to knock these questions out, man. I'm going through them. 
how can we figure out gifts from the Lord? Um, I really want to do something long on that. We're going to have to do something long on that because that's a lot of questions. Um, any prayers? Uh, if you need prayers, that's one of the best parts about our um, our Discord server. Like there's one channel just for requesting prayers and you have hundreds of people in there waiting to pray for you. We have a little tag. If you do at prayer team, it'll ping. It'll notify every person that has said, I want to pray for people because praying for people is a way to contribute to a ministry, right? So if you want, if there's anything I can tell you that's incredible about the Discord server, it's having an instant access to hundreds of people that just want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Um, smoking and pornography. Yes. The ones that struggle. So there you go. Find your triggers as someone who has dealt with both in his life. I was a smoker and I'm a man. Every, any man that ever says he didn't deal with that. If they're, unless they're born prior to like 1950, 1940 or something, which even back then they probably struggle with stuff. Um, then you need to find the triggers. Um, I'm seeing, seeing, oh, I think I hit the bottom of the comments. Is it true the firmament exists and space is fake? I've never been to the atmosphere, so I honestly couldn't tell you what's true or false when it comes to that. When we get to heaven after the rapture, will we remember our life on earth? So there's a lot of things in that question, and I want to make it clear that by answering it, that doesn't mean that I'm affirming um, that we go to heaven after a rapture, right? So uh, because there's lots of discussions we could have on that, and for all of you that's been asking about my eschatology, I actually realized you're gonna get you're gonna get everything I believe, no matter what, in this Bible reading. Because as you know, when we read the Bible, so for all those that keep asking about end times, you got to hang out for a while. This is also like I threw the bait out there. I just thought about this right now, so it's not really premeditated. But it's like if you really want to know what I believe about the end times, well, just hang out for the Bible reading. We're going to go through Daniel, so you'll get that early. But like when we get the Revelation, it'll be the end of this whole period. So if you've been hanging out for you know years at that point, because it's going to take a while to go through. If any of you go from Genesis to Revelation with me, and, and, and you remember this podcast, write this down. If you say to me at the end, Mike, I've been here since day one, just like I said, uh, just like you uh, uh, talked about, I will send you a Bible. Like, it, and I'm never going to repeat this again. This is literally for the 83 here, the 143 here. If you remember this, when we finish the Bible project, which is, which could take a year or two years, if you, you might, technically you don't even have to, you could be lying because you could just hear it now and then come back. But I'm challenging because I'm talking to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's have some truth here, integrity. If you remind me of this, write it down though, because you're gonna have to, because I'll probably forget. I'm gonna have to go back, write down this day, write down this day, and say that day. Tell me, Mike, you promised me a Bible on this day on the episode. If you do that, and I go back to this episode, I will buy you a Bible. Anybody that asks, that's a lot of Bibles. But by then, I think the ministry will be able to afford it. <laughs> um, oh uh, man. Uh, 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 let's see. I had something else I was going to say before we get out of here. Um, no way we're still here in two years. Oh, y'all talk about rap stuff. Oh, the question about heaven, right? Um, uh, uh, will we go to heaven if, if, if there's a rapture, see how to answer my questions here so that you don't know where I lean with any of this. If there is a rapture, uh, where would you go? Well, your spirit would go, would go to the Lord, right? Uh, and you would go up to the Lord. Uh, um, uh, well, up in body, but do you go to heaven after? No, you would you would be on earth for the ruling of a thousand years, depending on your eschatology, though, right? Because then you got some people that 
you know, believe in the pre-trib rapture. So then for them, they're going to say that, you know, you, you're up there waiting, right? So uh, you see how I'm struggling answering this? Because I know that a lot of people want to know where I stand on this. And I just talked with JD about this off air. We are going to be uh, uh, holding this until we get to that point. So I'm going to have to avoid answering this question just because I'm trying to think how I word it to let you know where I stand. Um, will Jesus forgive me for living in sin with my fiance of five years? Are you continuing to live in sin or are you asking about yesterday? Because the question is, if you're still living in sin and you know it, wait, he's your fiance? You're just living together? Or are you saying that y'all doing? Let me be very honest with you. Like, if he's your fiance, when are you getting married? Like, you get what I'm saying? You said fiance. For a minute, I thought you said boyfriend. Are you living with your fiance and getting married? Get married. Once you get married, he he will forgive those sins. Don't live in sin on purpose, though. So stop having premarital sex. Get married. And then you're forgiven. I need to make it clear that I'm not about to say, yes, he'll forgive you, so keep doing it. Right? You get what I'm saying? Like, don't keep living in sin. Yes, he will forgive living in sin, but it's your fiance. So just get married and you'll be good. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm sitting here saying break up, right? Um, but yes, he will forgive your living in sin, right? You you have to address that and understand that and say, Lord, I'm sorry about that, right? And, you know, and come to him. How does God chasten me? That's between God and me. I don't think he's ever put it on my heart to, to share with you the moments in my life where I feel God disciplining me. If he does put it on my heart, I'll make sure I share that. I don't have an English Bible, so it'll be a good present. Amen. Do you have to be married by a piece of paper or just committed with the same person? Uh, so it's a sticky question. Last time I answered this, a bunch of people that don't read the Bible got real upset. A piece of paper means absolutely nothing. Jesus shows this when he says, you have heard to give a divorce certificate to someone if you want to divorce them. But I tell you, no, that doesn't count, right? Because God doesn't annul your marriage just because the state divorces you. Likewise, on the flip side, uh, God doesn't need the paper from the government to make you married. Last time I said this, people thought I was giving permission to live in fornication. No, I'm saying that if you want to be married to someone without the state, you perfectly can. You need to still have a vow to God before witness, right? Like I'm not telling you, you don't need to make a commitment to God before witness. And here's the funny thing. When people hear this, they want to play this stupid game where they go, oh, so I could just pretend to marry a woman and then walk away. Well, if you do that, then you, you, you're literally admitting to lying. No. God knows that you can't, there's no loopholes with God. There's no, there's no be, uh, hiding in the background from God and getting away with something with God. There's no gray area with God. If you make a commitment because you think I can just lie to this woman and tell her I'm committed and then walk away, you, you gonna have to answer to God about that. Like God don't play games, but yes, if you make a commitment before God and you say, Lord, I make a vow to this woman and you have a witness present, like it doesn't need to have a state official marriage. But just know that this is more binding than that. That's what people I don't think realize when they got so upset with me answering this question, like I was giving them the easy road out. No, I'm telling them that that, that paper means nothing. As easily as it could be ripped up or it could be voided, it means nothing. Your bond between man and woman that you say in front of God is eternal unless God grants you permission to break that marriage. And only God can do so. So... Uh, for anybody trying to listen and try and take what I say, people love to take what I say out of context. But no, you don't need a paper from the government to be married. Because here's the truth of it. If the government disappeared today, does your marriage disappear? Then people will say, well, what about Romans 13 where it says submit to the governing authority? Getting married is not a must. The law doesn't say you must get married. 
That would only apply if I was going against the law where it says you have to be married. The law doesn't say I have to be married. Now, is it beneficial to be married in the eyes of the state? Yes, 100% because you get tax credits. Like I would never speak against doing it. But if someone truly doesn't want to be married by the state's eyes, what does people be thinking when they say, oh, you have to? The government, we have to submit to the government authority. That's not a law saying you have to get married. The law just says that if you are legally married, that these are the things that come with it. So no, you don't need a piece of paper from the government saying that you are legally married. You need to make a commitment before God because you can go get married in a courthouse and never make a commitment before God and you're not married before God. There's lots of people that are married in America that aren't married before God, period. And what, look at that. With that being said, it's an hour and 59 minutes. So I need to end this because we end at two o'clock. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. As always, uh, we appreciate you. JD had to get off early. Like I said, we're going to be discussing this weekend about uh, what do we have going on with this time schedule and if we need to make any changes. Uh, he needs to leave early, you know, so you can be aware. He wakes up at 4 a.m. to do this podcast. He's in South Africa. I'm here in Texas. So he wakes up at 4 a.m. to do this podcast. And then tonight, his time, we'll do a Bible reading. So he's going to stay up late tonight. But because they moved, he's further away from taking his son to school. So he normally would leave at like 7. So we could do this from 4 to 6 or whatever. But now he needs to, excuse me, leave at like 6. So um, we will get this figured out and, and see how we can make it work. I told him if we want to leave it at the same time and just do an hour and a half, that's fine with me as well. Because two hours is long, so is an hour and a half. Um, or does he want to uh, adjust the time? So like I mentioned earlier, when me and him talk, we will post uh, some polls or something like that and definitely get your opinions on it um, to, because you guys matter. You guys tune in every single week. A lot of you are here every single week. And not just you guys who tune in every week live, you guys on Spotify, you guys on TikTok. I see the numbers. It's not a coincidence that there's a certain amount of people on my TikTok live every week. It's not a coincidence that there's a certain amount of listens on the Spotify. So we know that you guys are listening after the fact or listening somewhere else. And because of that, um, we want to do our best to make this work for you. Because, I mean, this is what it's for. We're not here to hear ourselves talk. We're here to grow in relationship, disciple, um, learn from each other, and, and have fellowship. So we'll keep you in the loop. Um, as always, I'll hop over to TikTok for a short minute before I go to bed um, and get off here. So if you want to continue the conversation and hang out, We'll be over there uh, for everybody tuning in over here. Make sure you hit that like button, hit that notification bell, uh, do all that stuff. Y'all know I'm not a, I'm not a streamer. I'm just a Christian pretending to be a streamer. I don't know what I'm doing here. So y'all know what to do. Please do it. God bless you. And as always, go in peace. Okay.